2 Kings chapter 2. This is the uh, concluding message on the series on Elijah. And uh, it's all about the uh, transference of this man from earth to heaven. The translation of Elijah. I'm going to read the first six verses and then uh, you'll hold the place. And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. There is a term... Uh, in the professional football league when a uh, defensive back uh, stays right on the receiver. There is a term they use called, he's in his shirt. Elijah was in Elijah's shirt. Well, his robe, anyway. I thought that's pretty clever. I think I went right past you there. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Don't worry about it. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Don't sweat it. Don't be still. Don't worry about it. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there, so that the two of them crossed over on dry land. There's a little book entitled, Emmanuel's Land and Other Pieces. And the author is identified as A.R.C., only A.R.C. A.R.C., uh, uh, those are the initials of a woman named Ann Ross Cousins who wrote Emmanuel's Land and other pieces. But she so wanted all of the glory to go to God. She wanted to remain somewhat anonymous. She wouldn't even sign her name to the pieces. There is in this little book uh, a poem that she wrote called Sands of Time. It was later, the words of it were later in. Uh, inscribed in a hymn, a great hymn, not in our hymnal, called Emmanuel's Land. It was Moody's favorite hymn, Dwight L. Moody. 
It had 19 verses, and Moody would have them sing every verse almost every time. The Sands of Time as a background. And Ross Cousins was walking through a graveyard in Scotland, and she came to this tombstone of this Scottish martyr, a man who had been martyred for his faith, and etched in this tombstone, worn by the sands of time, were these words, Ah, glory dwells in Emmanuel's land. It's a clear description of our eternal home. It's difficult for us to imagine what it's like. We're so earthly. As I tried to say this morning, our problem is not that we have our mind too much on heaven, that we're no good on earth. Our problem is that we're so, we have our minds so on the world that we are no good for heaven. The fourth verse of this stanza, the sands of time, translated to a hymn called Emmanuel's Land, goes like this. The bride doth not eye her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze on glory, but on the dear Lord's face. What I want us to do tonight is not so much to gaze on glory, on Emmanuel's land, as wonderful as that is, but I want us to get a glimpse of Emmanuel. Now, Elijah did not experience death. Uh, the only other people who will ever have the experience of Elijah, that is to be translated from earth to heaven without ever experiencing death, are the Christians who will be alive when the Lord returns. And that's why the second chapter is so relevant. This is a fitting example of our life should we be alive when Jesus returns. What happened to Elijah will happen to us. Now God told Elijah that he was going to be taken up into heaven. He was the only one who knew that, who had that information beforehand. Uh, he not only told him that he would be taken up into heaven without passing through death, but he told him how it would happen and he told him where it would happen. And so Elijah set his face to the Jordan. He's going there to be translated into heaven. And God tells him, I want you to go to the Jordan. I'm going to take you up into heaven. I want you to go by way of Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho and then to the Jordan. Now I wonder tonight if God were to tell you that you had one week to live and he said to you, I want you to go down to Dallas this week and just wait in Dallas because from Dallas I'm coming to translate you into heaven. And this is the way I want you to go to Dallas. I want you to go by way of Tulsa and Little Rock, Arkansas and uh, Guymon, Oklahoma. Now you'd think that'd be a pretty strange way to get to Dallas and you're wondering what in the world that has to do with this. Well, when you look at this kind of thing geographically from where Elijah was, to go down to Jordan from where he was is comparable to that. I want you to go to Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and then the Jordan. 
And there's some significance there. The historians will tell you that it is in these places that the schools of the prophets were established. The closest thing that we have in the Old Testament to a seminary where God prepared men to preach the word. And so God said, I want you, Elijah, to go to these places and where the schools of the prophets are, and there are going to be some experiences that you're going to have there. Tremendous significance to all of this. I want you to watch it. Somebody said that when a person gets ready to die, there is the panorama of his life passes before him. I wonder how they know. You know, a guy says, just before he died, his life just flashed before him. Well, how did he know, you know, his life flashed before him? I think it probably happens that way. Uh, that's what's happening to Elijah. That's what I want us to do tonight. Just before we die, I want us to go to Gilgal and to Bethel and to Jericho, to these places, and I want us to walk in the memories of them. There's some tremendous significance to it. Notice, first of all, that Gilgal is the place of beginning. Put that in your little outline. It's the place of beginning. It's the place of safety, place of security, the place of beginning. If you want to turn sometime, let's do it right now, just as a matter of fact, to Joshua chapter 4. We're going to see about Gilgal. Joshua chapter 4. In the 19th verse is the reference to Gilgal. Now God's people, now the children of Israel had been wandering for these years in the wilderness and they've come to the land of promise. They've come to cross the Jordan and they come to the place called Gilgal and there they stand, there they are in the very place of beginning before the battles, before the occupation of the new land. They are there in Gilgal. It's a place of fellowship and communion with each other. And I was noticing as I was sitting here, verse 9 of chapter 5, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. It's the place where the reproach of the past is rolled away. It's a place of new beginning. Before they begin the assault on the new land, they come to Gilgal. Now Elijah went back to Gilgal and walked the streets. He went back to the place of beginning, the place of memory, and he relived those beginning days with God. It's a good thing to do. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Then he was told to go to Bethel, and he went to Bethel. Bethel is the place of altars, the place of altars. It was so in Abraham's day. It was so in Jacob's day. You've heard sermons about going back to Bethel, going back to the place where you met God, where you established communion with Him, to the place of prayer, to the place of the altars. And so Elijah went to Bethel, the place of altars. And I can see him tonight as he walked the streets and many memories came to his mind of the places of altars in his life. There was Cherith where he established that altar to God. For there was no provision, there was no 
care for him. There was really no future for him there. God just fed him by the ravens and he learned to live in utter dependence on God. He established an altar there. He went to Zarephath. You remember that, don't you, in our study? And he lived with this widow and she was getting ready to die for her provisions had run out. And there in that little house with that woman in that strange setting, with the sun dying and all of that, Elijah established an altar where he went to God. We talked about it. It was in the room where he lived that he met God every day, a place of altars. And so Elijah walked through Bethel, the place of altars, and remembered the altars he had established with God. It's important to do that. And then he went to Jericho. Jericho is the place of battles, the place of battles. It's D-Day, it's Normandy in that world. It's the place where the people of God drove a wedge into the enemy land. It was the city of memories of battles. Some of you may have seen the movie several years ago entitled Judgment at Nuremberg. Spencer Tracy. Some of you don't even know who he is, no young guys, but the rest of us do. Spencer Tracy played the part of Captain of Major Haywood. The trials of Nuremberg were about the trials of five generals in the Nazi army that were put on trial in Nuremberg. And these men uh, gave their defense. Some plead temporary insanity. Some said they were just following orders of Hitler. And Spencer Tracy, Major Haywood, had to decide the fate of these generals. He recessed the trial and he walked through the streets of Nuremberg. It's a marvelous scene in the movie, uh, taken right from a play on Broadway. And as he walked through the streets of Nuremberg, he listened to the sounds and saw the sights of the atrocities of World War II, of the terrible uh, evil of these Nazis. That's what Elijah did. He walked through the city of memories, the city of battles, and he remembered the battles of his life. He remembered the day he battled on Carmel and God sent down fire. He remembered the battles with Ahab and Jezebel and he remembered a battle in it with his own life under the juniper tree. It was the city, it was the place of battles. Then he came to Jordan. It was the place of death. The place of death. Still, we refer to the Jordan as a place of death. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. All o'er those wide extended plains shines one eternal day. There God the sun forever reigns and scatters night away. It's a place of death. But the Jordan is not only in the scriptures a reference to the place of physical death, it's also a reference to the place of, of the death of the self-life. I preached a sermon on that a few, year, a few months ago, that we all come to those Jordans in our life where we die to self and we make those radical commitments that allow us to live again a new kind of life. It's the place of death. Now, how, do, how does this all apply to us? It applies to Church is some, a real test of our um, 
of our endurance and our commitment. We hate to see these men uh, be led away, especially when it takes months and months to find men to come. But it doesn't matter whether it's an associate pastor or a pastor. When that man's gone, God's still the same. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? You, you, you don't lament the passing of the man. You turn and lay hold more than ever on the God of that man. He's still the same. And I've noticed as I read this that what Elijah did with his mantle, Elisha did the same because God didn't change. Now, there are two applications, two things I want to mention. One has to do with the loss of a loved one. It's this, watch this. When you lose a loved one, it's not a time to stop, but a time to affirm God's great power. It's not a time to stop, but a time to affirm God's great power. Now, Elisha lost Elijah, but he didn't stop. He didn't give up. He didn't quit. He saw it as a time to affirm God's power. That's what it's all about. When you lose a loved one, you don't stop living. You affirm God's ability to sustain and supply your need. You affirm the power of God. And to spend one's life in the rooms of the departed, what a waste, what a waste. Claim that mantle that that loved one had. Claim that mantle for tomorrow. And watch God meet your need. The second application is found in 1 Thessalonians. Let's turn to that, then I'm through. 1 Thessalonians is a passage of Scripture, is a, uh, uh, an epistle over toward the end of the New Testament. Paul wrote it. Find it for us. Find it right quickly. Yes, I know that Edwin Moses is fixing to run the 400 meters. We'll be out in time. You just get that verse right quick and we'll be there and we'll be to see it. <laughs> Good old Edwin. 1 Thessalonians 4, look at that, verse 13 and following. It says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. He said, he didn't say we're not supposed to grieve. He said, you're not supposed to grieve as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, precede those who have fallen asleep, 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Hallelujah. And verse 18 says, Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let these words be a strength to you that one day our Lord's going to come with a shout and we're going to be carried to glory in a chariot of fire. Oh, Lord, how long, how long till we shout with the throng, Christ returneth, Christ returneth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this word and for the great encouragement and comfort it is and shall be forever to us. Lord, even so, Lord Jesus, come, come quickly to gather up those of us who remain to take us to Emmanuel's land, to Emmanuel. Even so, Lord, come quickly. Oh, come, Lord, before the world dies in its own decay. Oh, come, Lord, before man enjoys his rebellion. Even so, come Lord Jesus. This is our prayer in his name which shall be above every name. And at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess him. Lord, to the glory of God the Father, even Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, even Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. Good night.